You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's Industry Best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND. That's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout. And that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. You wanting to know more about saddle hunting? Well, check out tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. And now, let's get to the show. Hey guys, last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women and by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn points, you start to unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free stuff, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. Well, all right. This is going to be the last episode of uh, turkey season. How y'all feeling about that? I'm feeling I only went one time. (laughs) (laughs) I I I flipped the page and I've already been looking at maps. So I can can get back in my my turkey boots real quick and do one. Yeah. Are you, uh, Matt, are you done? Like, is Georgia over and... Yeah, yeah Georgia, Georgia went out Sunday. Sunday, okay. I had I had big plans to go that week, and I just I didn't even go. Just content, man. 
You gotta I be just, yeah, Is anybody I've, else still in? That's good. Yeah, up the, north. Northern, uh, north. like Wyoming, yeah. Kansas, I think, is probably open still. Uh, Nebraska, Wyoming. New Hampshire. Yeah, then a lot of those northeastern. All those PA. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're still in the thick of all of it. Um, and man, I want to <laughs> still be in the. I want to. It's hard to. It's hard to get out of turkeys for me. Like it's hard to get out of the turkey mode. Deer season, like, just kind of, especially when you're from Alabama. Mm-hmm. And from the south, you got it's early so openers. Long. It is so long, and by the end of it, you're like, okay, I got to be done. I'm ready to be finished. And then there's another yeah. state that's still open. You're like, well, I guess I can go hunt Mississippi, you know, or. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing for, the only thing for turkeys for me is when it starts getting hot and the, yeah. you know, the mosquitoes go mm-hmm. out. I mean, I'm in the woods enough as it is, you know, much less the, when the green up hits and it's just, it's thick and you're just trying to still kill a turkey and it's 90 degrees. That's just, that's kind of mm-hmm. when I'm like, ah, I like those cool, you know, 45 degree mornings. Uh, that's, that's spring turkey hunting for me. I like it too. And ticks were bad this year too. Ticks were. Gosh, I I, I just walked out out my front yard and walked back in. I had three. I'm like, this, this is <laughs> you know. So it's. Well, I've been. Uh, means- my body's my body's telling me it doesn't want turkey season to be over because I've been laid up in bed all day today, throwing up and sick, and I was like, man, I guess I need to text the boys and figure out when we're going to do a podcast. <laughs> Shoot, you've 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 worn yourself out, Parker. When you travel as much as you have, I know you've been everywhere and and done the things you've done. I mean, that's uh, I think I think I'd throw up for two days to be able to do what you did. <laughs> it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, got the Grand Slam done. Um, okay, so hold single on, season. This this was my question. Did you set out to do it, or did it just kind of just happen? You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't care about the slams. Honestly, never have. It's no like yeah. I I completed my like lifetime slam. I guess whenever I did the uh, Osceola hunt, the first hunt of the season. So within the first like ten minutes of daylight on my first turkey hunt, my slam was complete. Uh, as far as like your lifetime slam, which is what most people are trying to do most of the time. And uh, but I got to thinking about it, and it was like. Well, man, the way I've set up my season, I'm going to hunt Alabama because it's where I live. Um, I've got, I'm starting off the season in Florida. I could potentially kill one there. Hopefully. I mean, my goodness, I ought to be able to kill one in Alabama as much as I get to hunt. Um, and then the, the thing in Texas, my uncle had bought a bunch of property that we were going to turkey hunt. So I was like, well, we're going to go turkey hunt there. And that was the that was all my plans. I wasn't gonna go up, I'd go out west this year, until I realized like, man, the only thing that I'm lacking would be a Merriam's. <laughs> I could just do a quick Merriam's hunt somewhere and try to make that happen. Yeah, um, I remember. I remember in our podcast when we were talking about what each of our plans were. You were like, "I've got all these hunts set up, and I would be a fool if I killed a turkey in all these states not to go chase that." Yeah. And so I guess, you know, as we watched, we were like, check mark, check mark, check mark. Okay. He's got to, he's got to do it now. Yeah. It was, and I almost didn't, man. Like, uh, I, I, let's see. 
Went to Wyoming. Never hunted Wyoming. Not for deer, turkeys, or anything. I've never even been to Wyoming. You saw a ton of deer, though. Oh, my gosh, dude. Let me tell you about some deer in Wyoming. Good Lord. If you were to sit down for any amount of time, five minutes in Wyoming, um, if you were to just sit down in the woods, random, find a random place, sit down in the woods, you were going to see a whitetail. I mean, it was dumb how many deer were out there. Um, and I don't know all the regulations and stuff on on deer hunting out there. I know Wyoming has a lot of like draw stuff and units and all that stuff, but um, it wasn't necessarily that way for the turkey. And um, but but yeah, so we started out, which I'm not gonna. When we've done podcasts on all of these all these hunts, but I killed the two Osceolas in Florida, and so that to me that was gonna be the hardest one, honestly, because. If I lived in Florida, which I, and I did see now, uh, I don't know if it's always been this way, but on the NWTF that actually tells you what turkeys you need to shoot for your slam, now it's saying Florida or Osceola. So you can consider any turkey that you shoot in Florida, no matter what part of Florida, as the Osceola in your slam. Just thought it was interesting. Huh. It says like, but it, I mean, in the back of any true turkey hunter's mind, he's he's gonna go to South Florida and try to shoot him. Yeah, yeah, line. below the the imaginary line for sure. But yeah. like Adam's turkey that he killed in northern Florida, it was Osceola for sure, mm-hmm. and like it, but had it was the, above that line. But it was above the line. line. And I think that's why they did it because there's just no way of. Actually, no one. Anyway, so yeah. I I figured that was going to be my hardest one because I was limited time. The Osceola is by a lot of people, it's known as the hardest one to shoot in your slam, especially if you don't live there. Um, but that happened really fast there in Florida. I mean, it was it was quick. It was first ten minutes of the first hunt. We roosted that bird the night before, killed him when he when his feet hit the ground. And then uh, a day of filming my buddy Jared, and then the next day went to a new place, just a regular old walk-in public area, and killed a bird at 9.30 in the morning. So I killed my two in Florida really, really fast. Alabama, though, my dad asked me the question uh, in the podcast that me and him did. He's like, so what was the hardest one that you killed? And it was, without a doubt, my Alabama bird. Um, When you actually look at how much I hunted in Alabama... Like, I hunted a lot. I hunted a lot of days. Yeah. And I killed two turkeys. So, like, my ratio yeah, was bad. Yeah, I remember you were always, you know, I'd text you one morning or something. Well, we're going to go see if one's goblin, you know. But <laughs> you had, and, and you and you had what happens to me. You had one that, he had your number. Yeah. And it just, it got under your skin. You said, I'm going to hunt him every day of the season. You know, it got you, it got you and your daughter, and I did it get you and your dad as well. He kind of put the slip on y'all too, or was that a different bird? It was the same one. I called him into like probably 25 yards for dad, like right at gray light. He, that joker flew off the roost and came straight to us, and I could see him and dad couldn't see him, and I wish, so I wish with everything in me that my dad would have killed that bird, because then I wouldn't have focused on him. That's, dude, that is... I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever do that again. I, I'd like to say I it's, won't. It's awful. It it gets you hung up and it mentally it mentally impairs you almost because mm-hmm. it changes your style of hunting as well as your ability to go say, hey, there may be a more 
killable bird over here. I hear that term a lot. You know, this bird was ready to die. He came running mm-hmm. to the gun barrel. He was ready to die. But then some birds, they're just, they're slick, man. I mean, they know what they're doing. Yeah, he did. He was, and I think I'm the one who educated him, honestly, uh, because those first couple times, he was going to be a pretty relatively easy bird to kill uh, if I had, if I had, number one, been by myself whenever I had my little girl that day. Dude, that, that bird was dead. He was dead. Um, then if I would have had a gun in my hand the day my dad, I called him in for my dad, uh, I'd have killed him, you know, in that situation because he was, that dude was coming. Yeah, I don't know if I'll do that again. I'll try not to fixate on, on a bird, but he, I nearly killed him my last hunt, uh, my last week of Alabama season. I was really close, but I also uh, missed two weeks of Alabama too, so. There is that, you know, there was time left, but I missed two weeks of the season. So, um, yeah, I was hoping you, I was hoping you'd make it over to Georgia hmm. uh, to hunt with me, but man, you, uh, you were going, I was going a lot and yeah, it, it, uh, that, that Eastern was probably the hardest. The Rio was incredibly easy, uh, like way too easy. It was a situation, if you haven't listened to the podcast I did with my dad, uh, it was a situation where we, the, the landowner was showing us the property, which by the way was not, a, I've, I've had this question asked to me if we went to an outfitter. We did not go to an outfitter. Uh, I can't afford an outfitter. But dad had a buddy who uh, who owned this property that we ended up going to, and uh, both of us killed a bird there. But that one was easy, man. Like got out of the, he was showing us around in the little ranger or the Kubota that he had riding us around the property lines just so we kind of knew what was, what, how it laid out at six thirty in the evening. And, uh, and y- y'all just opened the gate and it squeaked and he gobbled, right? And that's how y'all called him in. <laughs> Pretty that much. That's, yeah. it was, <laughs> that's about how it felt. No, we, we got out of the, of the Kubota and he was like, Hey, there's a high point right up here. Um, if y'all want to go check it out, you can. So we did and put on all of our stuff and went up on that high point and a turkey got, I, I hit a call on the glass call. It was windy. West Texas wind hit a call on the glass call and he gobbled. Gee, it sounded like it was 800 yards away. He gobbled forever away, but he kept gobbling back to the call. So we moved forward. Me and dad did. Jeff went back to his Kubota. Um, and we moved forward to a big opening, a big open pasture, like a cow pasture. And I, on the edge of this cow pasture, I called again and he sounded like he was 300 yards maybe. And then I, we stood there we're like, man, what do we do? Should we just set up right here? Should we just do this right here? And he gobbled again and it sounded like he was like right there. And now look up and you can just see him standing over there and like running to us. And he came in strutting and gobbling, doing stuff. And within, by 7.30, 7.15, he was dead. Uh, and then dad killed <sighs> killed one the next day in the wind. So it was really cool. Um, and then there was Wyoming. And that's the one we haven't talked about. No, not at all. But real, real quick before we say anything about Wyoming, y'all go back and listen to that episode with Parker and his dad. I really enjoyed uh, watching it. There's some, there's some key factors in those stories of the turkey hunts 
um, some funny stories as well uh, that I personally took away from it and enjoyed watching it. And that was a great job on Parker and his dad's part. But uh, we've got the grand finale to talk about now. Yeah. Grand finale. And it was a finale. Let me tell you. It was a, it was unlike any other turkey hunt I've ever had. Set, set the stage for him, Parker, real quick of where you, you know, where you were, where you were traveling to, how long you were traveling to. You were going solo, right? Uh, Yeah. So yeah, not recommended. Do not do a Western hunt solo. If you can help it. That country is just so big. It's so vast and there's no telling, as you'll hear in this story, there's no telling what could happen out there. Not even not even necessarily like when you think Western, you think like mountain lions, bears, whatever. And not oh even not yeah. <laughs> not even necessarily that, but like just the it's so big. It's such a big area. And um so because me and dad killed our birds so fast, I was actually able to go and I was going to have about nine days in Wyoming. I had scheduled the whole week in Texas to be in Texas and then a whole week in Wyoming. Well, with drive time, when you factor in drive time and all that stuff, a week in Wyoming ends up being about three days driving there and then driving home. And so I was able to make it a lot faster and uh, got in there, went solo. And when I hunt, so I'm... I'm pretty much like, I'm not a, I don't have to have nice, nice area, you know, nice living conditions. I slept in my truck, found a truck stop pretty close to the public land that I was hunting and slept in my truck. I took a, one of those little propane grills and basically the only reason I took that was to heat up water for coffee and, uh, freeze dried meals, um, and ramen and lived off of that. And, uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that was pretty much it and i was trying to keep costs down just because gas is so expensive it gas is 421 at the time 420 or so a gallon dude and i mean that that gets crazy expensive and i didn't want to fly because i wanted to have my vehicle um now when you when you were sleeping in your truck uh, i know the time we went on a hunt you just slept in the front seat is it are you still just a front seat sleeper yeah until i get my until i get my camper shell okay i was i was wondering if you got a camper shell or not or yet no i will um, uh, i've actually um that's in the works right now uh, they're great yeah a guy that uh used car salesman around this area they take the camper shells completely off of their of their trucks when they get ready to sell them because nobody wants to buy trucks with camper shells and i was like hey what do you do with those and he said we just give them away yeah. he's like it's it's all you next one i get next one i get for that truck God. it's yours so I'm great. I'm gonna get one, um, but yeah, I, I but, typically just sleep in the front seat. I just yeah lean it back and sleep, and I sleep really good like that actually. Um, uh, and I, I've tried sleeping in the back seat, but it's you're so like curled up, curled up. It, you just can't stay comfortable in the fetal fetal position. <laughs> yeah, you can't. <laughs> and it was fairly cold there too, so I want to have the ability if it gets cold in my cab to just turn on the truck heater real quick let it run for 10 or 15 minutes and then turn it back off but uh yeah that's that's about when i when i do a hunt by myself solo if i go to tennessee or kentucky or anything like that 
man, I ain't getting a room. I'm not getting a hotel. I'm going to. And also, here's another thing, too, about it. I don't like to, to set up a camp, like a tent, especially when there's options of places that I can go. I can go to one part of the state that might be two hours away. Um, I don't want to be tied down to one area because I definitely don't want to have to get up two hours earlier and drive two hours to get to a place. If I'm going to yeah. go hunt a place that's two hours away, I just assume drive there, sleep there, and and just kind of be mobile. I do that with deer and turkeys, but um, that's something that I that I try to do most of the time. Uh, but I will say this. It is lonely when you're out there in that country and there just ain't people around. Like, there's it's, – it's rough, man. You ain't got nobody to talk to, you know. I'm I'm fine with with most with it most of the time. Like while I'm hunting, I like to hunt by myself. But when you come back from hunting, it's like, well, I guess I'll just call people and then yeah, you know, people don't and always answer. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not. Um, and so man, I just it, it was it was rough. But the first day, I rolled in there around five o'clock uh in the evening and got there got my tag did all my stuff found the truck stop that i was gonna sleep in and i was like all right i'm gonna head to the woods so i headed in to a random spot um a a completely random spot to be honest with you i had had a bunch of spots pinned that i thought i would be able to get to and turns out i couldn't they were private drives and all kinds of all kinds there was all kinds of reasons why i wasn't gonna be able to make it into those spots. So I was driving around. I was like, well, this looks like a good spot. I'm just going to walk in here and see if I can find one. And so I walked in, got up the mountain and, uh, probably a mile and a half deep and, uh, struck a bird that was only about 50 yards away from me. I mean, and he was gobbling really, really good right there around 6 PM, 6 30. And, uh, I tried to make moves on him. If you don't know anything about Merriam's, they just, they don't come to your call. They might gobble at your call, but in my experience, they do not, especially if they don't have a hen, they just don't, they don't come to it. Um, just kind of, just kind of wonder. Got, yeah. I got their, yeah, they, they don't know where they're going to go. Yeah, exactly. And so it's really more of a get in front of them type situation, um, or walk slowly, you know, try to cut them off, um, cover a bunch of ground and try to, you know, jump one up uh, that that's really how i've had to learn to hunt merriams and when i went to nebraska last year we were trying man we were we were trying to like set up on them and get them to show up but they would just get if you set up they would be four miles away by the next time they gobbled you know um <laughs> it, it was just a, a weird thing so but it was it was close to dark uh i knew there was a turkey goblin in there so I didn't want to push myself or anything. Well, I woke up the next morning and went right back in there because I figured he'd be roosted right there. Well, I was in for a surprise because I had probably about the best 10 minutes of turkey hunting that I've ever had. I mean, it was just like, it was insane. So, uh, two just hens. How, just how much they were talking, pretty much. Oh my gosh. It, I mean, and how many of them there were in the same spot. Mm. I sat in that same spot till dark and i all I, I never even saw a turkey i heard the one gobbling <laughs> right there pretty close 
<laughs> Dude, there was turkeys roosted literally right above where I was at at, at dark, and they I never knew they were even there. They had to have just already been up there. All I that's all I can tell. Or they just moved a little bit later than our birds typically move. That's mm-hmm. possible too. You know, they could have just they could have been on another mountain and roosted up. You know, flowing up there from another ridge top or something like that. I don't know. But I get in there, and I was going to get in there really early. Well, that's a hard thing to do in Wyoming because it starts getting daylight at like 4.30. So so I'm hiking in there, and the sun's already coming up. And you can I don't even need a headlamp. Well, I get to this point, and I hear two hens uh, going crazy. I mean, and Miriam's, Miriam's hens, dude, they're like, they sound like, like a public land parking area on opening day. They're like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, they're, they're, it's bad. Um, and they, I, I haven't heard them do a whole lot of just like cuts or anything. They're just always yelping. Um, and so these two hens start going crazy and I'm paralleling them. So if you can imagine I'm on like a bench of this hill and they're on the spine of that hill. And as I'm walking, they're walking and we're walking together and I'm just a little bit right below them. And I, at first I thought they were still up in the tree, but the further I went, the more I'm like, they're, they're walking with me. And so eventually I, I cut up, up the hill to the top and got to where I could see them. And I could see both of those hens up at the top, probably 50 yards away, 40 yards maybe. And I was just watching them and, uh, I'm like, okay. At some point, this bird's going to gobble. The gobbler's going to gobble. Well, then I see him, or I see one coming up from the other side of him, like right in front of me, probably 70 yards away, walking to him, strutting. I was like, holy crap, he's right there. My gosh. And they meet up and congregate right there out of range. And so the two hens, and, and as far as I know, that one gobbler. And he gobbles like once or twice, and I was like, man, this is awesome. I need to get in front of him. So I cut around, go down around the mountain, trying to get to, to where I cut them off. And I see like five more strutters next to next to this other strutter. And they're all <laughs> just running around, dude, strutting. And they're, the hens are going crazy. At this point, they haven't really gobbled much. But there's like, like five or six of them, maybe seven of them standing right all right here. And they're just moving. And I'm like trying to cut them off. And, but I'm in like an open, it's like an open area. I don't even, it, it almost looks like a greenfield, but they're not. Um, and a I'm trying grass, to grass flat. Yeah. Just like a little grassy flat. It's real pretty. And, uh, so I finally get to a tree and I make a, I make a call and they gobble all of them gobble at the same time. And they're <laughs> off to my left behind a clump of trees. Well, then another bird or two, maybe more than that. Two or three turkeys gobble up here, back where I had originally seen those hens at. And I was like, son of a gun, I should have just stayed put right there. Um, and, but I never could see those turkeys. All I could see was the other one. And they go up over the hill. I was like, all right, well, if they go over this hill, once they all go over that hill, I'm going to run over to the edge of that hill and see if I can see them. Because they should be just right below me. Well, I go over there and I see a hen. And she's just, a, there was another bench and she kind of goes down into this real steep ravine. And I was like, well, crap, they went fast. And then I see another turkey strutting on the same bench, probably 
40 yards down below me. And he's walking on that bench. He was one of the gobblers, and he's strutting, dude. He's a he's a big old bird. So I pull my gun up, and I get it on him, and pull the trigger, and my flipping safety's on. And mm. I, so I'm like, crap. So I click my safety off. By the time I do that, he's already over the edge of it, out of view. I couldn't see him anymore. Yeah, you you were telling me these things move fast. Like they're like they're not just like our turkeys. Bro. They'll stop, look around. No. They're getting it. You Dude, know? They're moving. I mean, in in that matter of time, from the time they flew down till in that ten minutes, they covered like three hundred yards, probably fast. And then they're, after that, covered so much more ground. I mean, I didn't hear another turkey gobble until one o'clock that afternoon. So did uh, with these birds like going day to day? Did they roost in different areas every time, or would they make a huge loop, cover a ton of ground, and then come back and roost in that same area? That's what they would do. They would. I don't know that all of them came back to the same area, or if it was even the same ones. But that day, I found a roost tree. I found the roost tree that they were in, and it was like a sea of doo doo underneath it, like mm-hmm. more turkey crap than i had ever seen in my entire life underneath and feathers all kinds of stuff you could tell they spent a lot of time here the problem is um that was the only day i got that wasn't windy and and it was a perfect day like i said i got on i got on i think it was the same group at one o'clock i ended up just covering ground and kind of like going the direction that i thought they should go and i ended up coming and getting uh, in range of them actually but just blocked by a bunch of trees and same story different different time you know they i i hit a call the hen called back they all three birds gobbled together and they were gobbling really good at like that at one o'clock mm-hmm. and so i made a move to get closer to them and when i made that move to get closer to them they gobbled again it sounded like they were a mile away like and that within a matter of just two minutes maybe Shoot. They just were, but they were following this drainage that would end up kind of circle. It went on to private land and then it would circle kind of back up around to where I started out at. And I think that's, I think that's what they were doing. I think they were just going to end up circling around. And, uh, and by that point I got back to the truck, it was like five o'clock or so in the afternoon. And I, I wanted to go and sit by that roost tree that evening, but I would have had to climb back up the mountain that evening after I just pretty much hiked. I think I did like 12 miles that day or something like that. It was, I was tired and it was the first day. Worn out. But long story short, man, I mean, they didn't, uh, they didn't do the same thing the rest of the trip. I think I saw one more hen in the in the four days that I stayed there. Uh, I heard birds gobble every morning, but it was so windy, like forty mile an hour gusts. Yeah. Um, once I put this video I, I was up, about to say, go ahead. Yeah, you you you're contributing the you know the change in the way the birds were acting due to this extreme wind. Well, and I don't even Which know. I, know if, I don't. I don't. I don't like hunting wind around here. I can't imagine. I, I know it's pretty brutal up there. I've heard if you're not, if the winds 
or if you're hunting the wind wind open up there in it it is and like like where you're actually hunting at is really wooded but it's surrounded by planes you know like you just have wide open Mm -hmm. planes all around these this national forest and so it's like there's really nothing to block it uh like at the truck stop that day um one of the uh, like every night every evening it would just be rocking my dang truck um there was dirt sand everywhere it was bad like it was it was so bad to where you couldn't uh you couldn't hear them like that was the worst part i can deal with the wind pounding you in the face i'd hear a gobble every morning every morning there was birds gobbling but i'd just be walking around in circles trying to figure out where they were at like I knew there was a turkey goblin, I knew no, I did not have a clue which direction they were coming from, because at one point they would gobble and it sound like they were right in front of you. Then again, they would gobble and it sound like they were, you know, five hundred yards away. And and you, so I would walk up, sit there, sit down and call for a little bit. Then it he'd gobble again and it sound like he was back behind you. And it's just it was just really frustrating. Well. On uh, day four, I ended up waking up like three o'clock that morning, just sick as a dog, like just nasty, sick, dry heaving. Honestly, the way that I feel right now, it was. Was it altitude sickness? I don't think so. It was only like 5,000 feet. It wasn't like crazy altitude or anything. All that ramen he ate. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, ramen, truck stop coffee, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's no telling what it was. Uh, I was pretty hard on my body, but not, I mean, not any worse than I normally would be, I don't guess. Um, but that day I woke up, it was Mother's Day. It was on Sunday and woke up and I was sick. I was like, well, I need to go, you know, I need to go anyways. This wind didn't start, it's supposed to start picking up until like eight o'clock. I can at least have that amount of time. Like I've been waiting for this. I need to go. So i go up there and get up on top of that mountain and hear bird bird gobbling two of them gobbled that morning so i set up on them just running around, <laughs> running around in circles the wind ended up starting around five o'clock you know it was stupid windy at five and uh so i sat down at one point i was like i'm just gonna sit right here because i'm not feeling good then my dang I, I hit a call i don't know if it was something about my about my uh like when you hit a diaphragm call, it kind of opens up your si- your sinuses a little bit in your nose. I hit that call and my nose just started pouring out blood. Mm. Like just nasty. And when I say like have a nosebleed, like it's not just like it just you get a little bit of no- blood. Like it's, it's like, like, like dripping blood, like leaving a blood trail. All of my my uh, uh, leafy suits just covered up in blood. Right, and even right now my. I was try- I didn't have anything to stop it up with, so I'm just like holding my gloves. So they're like soaked in blood. Everything's just bloody. Mm. It gets to be about seven thirty, and I'm like, I can't do this, and it's still bleeding. Like it's not stopping. I was like, I gotta get back to the truck. So I walk to the truck, and as I'm walking to the truck, I'm like getting lightheaded and getting wobbly leg, and I've never felt like I was gonna pass out. Um, pretty much in my life, I've never had this feeling. But when I was hiking out downhill, I was like, um, I might pass out. And so that was when I tell you that that going out west solo 
is scary. It's situations like that that you can't foresee. That you, you know, it's not like I have a history of passing out or having seizures or anything like that. I have a history of, you know, pretty good health. You know, I I don't get sick a lot. And, uh, man, I I thought I might die. I I was like, if I pass out, I haven't seen another hunter on this mountain. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that you, and that's, you know, you go into hunter safety on this and other whole thing. But like, if I'm going out somewhere by myself, even if it's here in Alabama public land, I, you know, I'm like, Hey, this is where I'll let people know, Hey, this is where I'm hunting. You know, if something happens to me, you don't hear from me. Cause sometimes you don't have phone service. Mm-hmm. So come, come check me out. And especially if you're doing a hunt like that, you know, you want people and I know people are aware of where you were, but, uh, you know, that could, that could, that could have been serious it could have it really could have luckily i made it to the truck and uh drove back to the home base to the truck stop and i sat there for five hours contemplating like what do i do i called my wife uh i called my dad knowing that both of them are like their loved ones right like they're going to be the ones that are going to be like you need to you need to head home like you need to be Mm -hmm. close to somebody i also called walt because walter is he is going to be the guy that's like dude stick it out keep keep going stick it out get better take a rest take a break today get back after it in the morning you're there i would give my left nut to be there you know like that's the kind of guy walter is even though in the same situation walter a lot of us would be you know, trying to figure out what we're going to do. He even said that. So I called Walter and uh, I was like, man, I need you to knock knock some sense into me. Am I being stupid for thinking about leaving? And he was like, no, I'd probably leave. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) not what you wanted to hear. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He ended up going into into that and saying like, you know, if you think you can stick it out, you should, because you're there and this is your goal. You know, he gave me the, the pep talk part. But at the end of it, it's like, dude, if you feel like you need to leave, you probably should. Um, <laughs> but here's the best part of it. He gave me a piece of advice that I thought was really good. As a creator, as a content creator, he was like, you need to you need to document how you feel right now. You need to pull out your camera. Because at that point, I'd been like, Ugh. once I got that nosebleed, I filmed that. And I was like, I'm done. I if I had decided to stay, I'll pick it back up. But for right now, I'm not filming anything. Well, yeah, because the, the only the only text we got was like a picture of like blood on like a stump or something. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, either Parker's dead or Turkey's dead. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so and it was just left hanging, and then all of a sudden, like sometime later, we get the rest of the story <laughs> yeah so i was I, I ended up deciding to leave basically uh my head home my my initial thought was uh i'm gonna just take kind of the long way through wyoming and just he- instead of going like through south dakota and then down into nebraska mm-hmm. i was just gonna drive wyoming the, the basically the border of wyoming trying to find a turkey uh, either in a small private land or uh, or like a field or something like that. Just see, but then the rains just started flooding down. It started raining. It was calling for snow the next day. Uh, 
And it was like, no, I'm just going home. I'm just leaving. I'm going home. So I made it all the way through Wyoming and just right across the border into Nebraska. And, and dude, Matt, I called you that day. What would you say? My, how would you say my, uh, attitude, (laughs) my feelings were at that point? You were pretty, you were pretty down. Um, I mean, to have such a successful season, you were just kind of like, man, this sucks. Like I, you know, I, we, we, we all had high hopes. We all had high expectations. And it's like you said, you know, you, you know, you hold yourself to higher standard. Like, Hey, I'm gonna go kill Turkey. And when, you know, your, your body physically doesn't let you, it's like, well, dang it. You know, like we can make these bodies our slaves as much as we want, but when they're done, they're done. Um, it, it's one thing, Drew, you'll understand this. You got kids. It's one thing. Kids are all sick. Wife is sick. So there's situations like that, dude. I'm out. I'm leaving and I'm not going to feel bad about it. Right? Like there's those situations. And then there's yeah. these ones, like you're saying, Matt, where it's like, I am literally in charge. I'm in charge of this decision. Nobody yeah. else is, is making this yeah. decision for me. I'm in charge of it. Man, that's and, and mentally, and mentally, you you would have stayed, you know, yeah. you were going to stay there until you killed Turkey, but physically you were not able. You know, I, I think if you said, you know, if that happened at the beginning of your trip and you had like, you know, six more days, hey, let's sit a day or two out and I'm going to bounce back. But you were, you know, you had your limited time and with everything going on, it was best, hey, I need to, you know, start easing on back. Yeah. I talked to my dad, which me and dad talk a lot, you know, especially when I go on those trips, I call him a lot and we're talking and just like, man, I, this is what this is. This sucks. Like I was just in a, you have deer pressions, you know, where people get depressed because of deer stuff. I don't know what you call this turkey depression, but it's like my season's done. It doesn't have to be done. I've still got like five days left that I could hunt this and. Which, by the way, guys, Parker does get depressed really easily, especially during deer season. <laughs> That's true. There's, there, I mean, I can't tell you how many phone calls I get where it's just like, Parker's like, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst hunter of all time. I don't, <laughs> I'm eating pancakes because I'm the worst hunter of all time. And I'm like, it's not that bad, Park. It's just really not, man. <laughs> it is true. That, I like to say I'll stop being that way, but. I don't know, man. I may not. <laughs> every every year it'll get somebody. Yep. But uh, so oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so kind of wrapping up the story, not kind kind of wrapping it up, but there's actually a lot more to it. I make it right across the line into Nebraska, and I had to stop. Uh, I had a client that I had to do some work for, um, for uh, for my business, and so I needed to stop at a place that had a McDonald's so that I could have internet. And so I found a, a bigger town with McDonald's, did my, did my work real quick. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to set up shop right here. I'm going to sleep for a little bit. Woke up the next morning at like 6.30, probably 6 o'clock, 6.30, and started driving. Well, uh, we were talking about letting people know where you're at at all times. I'm like, I'm like really specific. Like I wouldn't give anybody my location on my phone. But I give it to my dad because I know my dad's not going to come in and poach the the spots that I'm hunting. Um, exactly. So dad has my location at all times. He knows if if 
he knows where I'm at. He's he looks at it during hunting seasons. He looks at it, knows where I'm at, knows where I am. If something were to go wrong, he would know. Um. So he got up and saw that I was driving. So he calls me, and uh, we're talking. And man, dude, as the sun starts coming up, I just see turkeys everywhere. There's freaking flocks along uh, of of turkeys with four, five, six strutters in a flock just sitting out there on these fields and I was like man this is awesome so I pull up my maps and I start looking at public land areas and if you're familiar with a lot of the western states they have these walk-in hunting areas they have BLM land uh they've got like uh little tiny WMAs so like whereas most of our WMAs are going to be a few thousand acres at the smallest probably here in the south out there they've got like 150 acre WMA that just kind of randomly placed out there. And there's a lot of them. There's like more than what you would probably imagine. And so I pull up my mask and I'm looking and I'm talking to dad. I was like, man, if I see it, I'm feeling a little bit better. If I see a long beard, if I see a, a, a turkey in one of these public areas from the interstate, I might grab my Nebraska tag and try to kill him. Just go hunt. And so, at the same time, we're driving. Me and uh, I'm driving. Dad's talking to me on the phone. He's looking at his Google map, and uh, I'm lo- I'm just kind of looking at my phone. And and I said, "Well, hey," I said, "There's a big WMA coming up. Uh, not a big one, but a about a mile stretch of WMA that's just really long and skinny." Um. Then he said, "Well, I can see that from my map too." He said, "It looks like there's a little field." Uh like right in the middle of it that you'll be able to see from the from the highway and i was like oh man i'm not i'm not seeing that in mine but i'm gonna believe you he said and so i'm driving and he's like looks like it's coming up here in about a couple hundred yards from you so i'm driving and i look and i see this field and there's gobbler standing in that field (laughs) and i was like dad i'm gonna have to go (laughs) i'm gonna have to go after this (laughs) Like I said, that's I pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome that he was, you know, looking at where you were going. Like, hey, in 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 a half a mile, look to your left, and there'll be a field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's neat. It was pretty cool, and it was really neat because it was like he got to be kind of right there, a part of it. Um, so here was the the bad part. So I'm on the interstate. I see this turkey right there, and I'm like, I can't just pull over on the interstate, right? Like, I've got to get. I've got to get around there some some way, somehow. Well, I, I end up having to go about five miles past this little WMA, take an exit, and then get on some farm roads to, like, work my way around. It ended up taking, like, 30 minutes. Yeah, to, you didn't you didn't even know if you were going to be able to get there. No. You know? No, I, I had no clue. I didn't know where the gate was. <laughs> I didn't know where anything was for this place. But I, we just kind of follow, and Dad's looking at his map. He's like, well, if you take this road, that road may take you to it. And so I'm going down that road. He's like, all right, so now once you get here, maybe go this way. And so we're, I'm looking at my maps, too, and we're just trying to figure it out. Long story short, 30 minutes later, I get to the gate, pick up my tag online, which is really easy with Nebraska. Um, it's very easy in Nebraska. Um uh, I want to say it was like 124 bucks or something, 128 bucks. Didn't really. Pretty reasonable. Yeah, but it's pretty reasonable. It's not like, it's not 
you know, cheap, but it's not super expensive. No. Um, yeah. But at that point, I had pretty much decided, like, you know, I've still got five days left in this trip. If I feel like it, even if this doesn't work out, I may just kind of hunt Nebraska for a day, you know, and just, just hunt here yeah. for the rest of the day since I have the tag. Well, I find the gate, start walking, and the way that this little place works, I told you it was long and skinny. Like, it was a, it was like a mile long and maybe like 400, 500 yards wide, this WMA. And you have the interstate, or the highway, and then you have a uh, a river, uh, pretty much a river, a big ditch, basically, that has some water in it. it I, I guess it's a river. Um, But we know these things about turkeys. They don't necessarily like to cross a big highway, and they don't necessarily want to cross water, right? Like, right. we've tried to get them cross water to come to us many times. A lot of times they will. Most of the time, you know, they won't unless they just really want to do it. And uh, so I start walking. I, I make it about 300 yards or so from the truck, and I'm I'm kind of in the woods parallel to the, or would it be parallel? Direct, basically right in line with the field where that turkey was at and so i'm but i'm in the woods using the woods for cover i hit my call and i hear a noise respond back to it like i hear a noise and i say a noise because all these 18 wheelers and trucks going by on this interstate really drown out noise you can't really tell what it is so i hit that call and i was like i think that was a gobble I'm not 100% sure that was a gobble. I think it was a gobble. I know whatever it was was responding to my call, so I'm going to assume it was a gobble. And I know that there was a turkey right there. So I I was like, okay, well, that sounded like it was a good ways up there. I'm going to walk just a little bit further. I take like five steps, and I see see the turkey run away from me, like through a clearing. I was like, (laughs) what a a loser. Um, (laughs) What is it? It's a Jim Carrey movie. Is it Dumb and Dumber where he's like, what a loser. Yeah. That's how I, I felt. So. Like, seriously, dude. Like, he was going to come directly to you. Like, he was going to just, <laughs> it was going to be awesome. He was going to come right to you. I'm like, you freaking idiot. So, I was like, well, I'm here. I know there's a turkey here. I know there's an interstate this way and a river this way. And just a little tiny bit of area that he's going to go to. So I'm just going to try to cut them off. So, and it's also a Merriam's, a hybrid Merriam's. I'll get more into that here in just a second. Um, so I, I cut off to my right going towards that river and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get to that river and then just set up, see if I can see him come in this direction. Well, I, I made about 60 yards and there's an open area in this, in, in the woods and I stop just to be sure that he's not there. And I'm stopping, I look around, and I hear, just like a, almost like a chicken, you know? And uh, I look over to my right, and I don't see anything. I look over here, and I see this head, like, five yards away from me, this big, gigantic red head, five yards away from me in a bush, like, just right there. And we lock eyes at the same time, and as soon as he sees me see him, he tears out of there and starts running. And uh, I shot him at like 10 yards and missed him. Then my gun jammed and I finally got it unjammed. And he was out there probably 45-ish yards, um, just running a straight line away from me and uh, ended up killing him. 
And it was not the, uh, I don't know. I don't not know. the classic. Yeah. I don't know that anybody like loves Turkey to hunt. jump shoot them like that. You know, it's not my favorite thing in the world, but for where I was in that moment, when I saw that tail fan fly up after knowing that I killed him, I was like, that might be the most memorable turkey hunt I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. When, when you get mad at him and you're real mad at him, you'll do anything. Mm-hmm. To kill him. You don't care how you kill it. Yeah. It was, it was crazy though, because of just the, just the, the whole situation and how quickly, like what Walter says, you need, you need to document the way you feel right now because you don't know what's going to happen. You just don't know. And when I, I called Adam, it was FaceTiming him right after I killed it. I was like, isn't that crazy? He was like, I mean, it would be crazy for a lot of people, but for you, I feel like all your hunts kind of have some stupid, weird ending like that. <laughs> uh, but it was, I mean, it, it is, it is insane how quickly things change in this sport. Like you go from the lowest of lows that you felt to on the dang king of the world. Yeah. It's fun. I don't know, Tom. It's fun. That's why I love it. But I I said I would, so it was, it's in, technically it's in Merriam's country on the map, right? If you look at the NWTF map, I think it's purple that they use for Merriam's. And where I was is Merriam's country. This turkey did not have like super white tips. Uh, it had a little bit of white. It was white and bronzish in there, which I've, you see that. You get more of this hybrid Rio look to him. Um, but the things that were super Merriam's about him were his beard was like short and really spindly. And his spurs were really nubby. And his head was gigantic. Um, I don't think I've ever killed. Did y'all see that picture of the snood? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That thing was like yep. eight inches long. He had a, he- <laughs> he had a heck of a snood. <laughs> it was a, I re- actually, after that, I was like, what is what does a turkey even use this thing for? Apparently, this is what I read. It may have been an NWTF article. But apparently, the hens prefer a longer snood gobbler. Like that snood is. Yeah. Like it, that's their size matters piece. Yeah. I've, I don't know why that just struck me as weird. Because everybody who looks at a snood is like, I feel like this should be dirty. <laughs> like it's a dirty yeah. thing. It's um, like we talked about, you know, you touch a turkey's head, you're like, what the heck is that? <laughs> yeah. I don't think I ever want to touch anything with this same texture again, other than another turkey head. Um, but that's uh, the, the the guy the guys you know that hold the turkeys by their head. Uh huh. That's why they that's why they do it. They like touching. It. <laughs> Golly, dang, yeah. But it was a it was a cool hunt, man. It was a a heck of a way to end the season. Um, I'm grateful. Like I I say this a lot with turkeys. I'm grateful for each and every one of them, man. Like I hate once I get them cleaned and you know get all the tail fan. I keep everything off of a dang turkey. If there was a way that I could keep the head, I'd keep the head some, for some reason. Yeah. You know? Freeze dried or something. Yeah. I saw somebody was asking for heads of turkeys, you know, they'll uh-huh. freeze dry them, and that's how those, they make their mounts look really good. I've got some, I've got two carcasses right now for my two Alabama birds that are in the deep freeze right now. 
uh, because the state was trying to use them as getting them for uh, research. It actually mm-hmm. makes me feel a lot better that I didn't have to throw those away, that I still got them, even though I'm never going to take yeah, them out of that it, trash bag ever again. It it hurts me. I've texted y'all before. I'm like, do y'all ever just feel bad when you get rid of a turkey? You know, we've probably said this multiple times on the podcast, but it's just, you know, I got into the, the gizzard stones this year, you know, collecting yep. those. I mean, just, just one more thing to take off. You know, I got feet in my garage but that like, why you got those nasty feet you know they shriveled up i'm like i don't know i like, I like it yeah uh, they're cool but anyways last turkey last turkey episode of the season I, I think you can probably tell in all of our voices that we are uh at least drew is ready to get back into deer hunting back to talking about bows and saddles and Bows and hoes. Bows and hoes. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not ready to start talking about those. Um, <laughs> no, I'm bows, I'm with yes. you. I'm I'm with you, Drew. I'm ready to, to jump into the deer talking scouting. I've actually looked at a map a couple times, I guess, while we've been recording, just because I've you know, just I enjoy looking at the map. Just I, know, I was I was I was scrolling through Spartan Forge just sitting there <laughs> looking at some stuff and like, man, you know, and um, got a couple spots I've been eyeballing. It's coming up, man. So, no, yeah, and, and you, you, you're Parker. You heard the one that's like uh, you posted like a picture of a buck and like, all right, time to turn the page. You know, already. And then of course you got Joey Bell over there sobbing like a eight year old girl <laughs> put the shotgun up. I mean, on his Instagram story, and it's just like, Lord Jesus, Joey. So he's friend of the podcast. We can say that. We can, oh, yeah. we can say that about Joey. Well, you know, I'm the kind of guy I've always got to have something to look forward to. As long as I can look forward to the thing, man, I'm good. I will say that turkeys, with every year that passes, they become more and more special to me, and the the hunt becomes more of a. I just become more. I don't know. Addicted might not be the right word. Obsessed, obsessive, maybe about with them. the process. With the process, too. yeah, yeah. Just and and learning to get better and learning, you know, the right ways to to hunt them. Um, because I do think there are right ways to hunt them. I don't know. I, I don't always follow that that rule or the the unwritten rules, I guess. But like you know, there's reaping is a big deal that's in the kind of the public eye right now. There's probably a day and time where I would have been totally okay with it. Uh, as I get as I'm as I get older, the more I just don't really want to do it. Um, and there's also pretty good reasons as to why other people shouldn't do it as well. I'm I'm probably never going to be the person that like puts that on somebody else. I think it's all a progression, you know. Um, I grew up hunting deer over corn in Texas. Uh, over corn feeders i prefer not to hunt over corn feeders these days you know what i mean not that i think there's anything wrong with it i shot a buck over a corn feeder this year in texas um but that's just because that's the property that i was hunting that's how you a lot of times it's how you have to hunt a lot of places in texas but um just my preference you know i probably prefer not to hunt a deer over corn same thing with turkeys you know that's in what I've talked with you, our, our gro- your growth as a hunter, 
Uh, you have your different stages, and we may do a podcast on that uh, with deer season, looking at that and how, you know, I think we've talked on it before on how our hunting tactics have changed over the time. And I'm, I'm like you, Burger, like I used to, hey, I have to have 50 pounds of corn out or I'm not going to mess with it. <laughs> but, now, but now I've figured out, hey, that actually, that's hurting me more than I think it's helping me. And just killing, you know, spikes, four points, those, you know, yeah, just, just the progress, and then also the progress. Wait, wait, we're we're not we're not supposed to kill spikes or four points, or oh no, you can. If that's okay, part, right. of, part cool. of your progress, you know. Uh, <laughs> I never saw four point. I don't like Matthew. I, I don't know what you're talking about. They taste good. But, just, uh, yes, they sure do. But it's like you said, Burger, with your with your turkey season, and this, you know. This was going to be one of my questions to you uh, for next for next turkey season. You know, so we're sitting here. We've killed all these turkeys. You've killed your grand slam as a whole. You've killed it in a year. You know, next season. You know what? You know what's going to make next season special? Is it going to be that that process of learning how to kill a bird a different way? Um, just just little things, getting better at calling. Um, you know, just how are you going to top this season i mean or, or make another memorable season well i think you i think a guy could ask you the exact same question um because you kind of had one of those breakout type seasons where you killed more birds than you ever have by a long shot you know I, I, so i think you i think you could probably answer this question as well but for me the answer to that is i do not know I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I want to go out. I want to get better at it. Right. With everything that I do, I want to be like, I'm not a good second place person. You know what I mean? Like just, yeah. just mentally, I, I try not to be a jerk about it to people, but I want to be, when somebody has a question about deer hunting, I want to be like, I know the guy to ask Parker like that. That's yeah. just my mentality. Like I, 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 I love the idea of being, um, as good as I can possibly be at it. Um, same thing goes with turkeys. I'm just later in my, I've deer hunted forever. I've turkey hunted for like 10 years. Uh, so I'm just kind of later in my progression, I guess. And so just kind of continuing that and continuing to, there's a guy by the name of Wayne Lackey. Um, and just a super cool guy, just a turkey killing son of a gun. Um, from here in Alabama, he's a he's a good dude. I, I got to actually meet him in person at a BHA event um, back uh, a couple. That's the one ago. you had to talk about deer when you had turkey on your mind, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was it at uh, at Oak Mountain State Park. Anyway, I got to talking with him a lot, and he's just he he these guys that you meet who they carry they're turkey hunters. They are turkey hunters, and they carry themselves differently than other people and they know what they're doing you don't have to they don't have to act like they're a professional you just know by the way that they carry themselves that they're the most dangerous thing in the turkey woods and that's i i want to see myself progress it's kind of like my goal as i find these guys like that and i'm like man i want to when i'm when i'm that age when i'm you know 50 i want to be that so i just trying to figure out the ways to progress to, to become that way. Yeah. Sweet. So, well, we're right at an hour, boys. 
and I feel like I could throw up again. <laughs> so. Huh. Uh, that is cough over here, son. <laughs> suck something down. I think about to throw up. <laughs> oh, shoot. Guys, it's fun. Turkey yep. season. Done with us. Sick via Zoom. Let's get uh, Let's get started on some deer content. Let's do it. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. And make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.